Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, everyone, to today's episode of Drive Through HR. It is Tuesday, August 25th, 2020, and uh, I am uh, Robin Schooling along with my co-host, Michael Vandervoort. Hello, Mike. Hey, Robin. Another Tuesday. It is another Tuesday. It is, uh, it is uh, Pandemic Tuesday. It is um, Hurricane Tuesday. Prep Tuesday. Hurricane Tuesday. Yeah. Hurricane Tuesday. That sucks. All sorts of things. Is it really going to be two simultaneously almost, or has that thing well, figured well, off? Well, Marco, Marco um, is kind of done. I mean, I think there's still rain coming mm. from Marco. Marco had kind of veered off, and there's still some rain coming from him. And um, Laura who people wanted to name Polo, right? Get it? Marco Polo. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Laura um, is is destined to hit now, uh, make landfall tom- tomorrow night into Thursday morning. And put at uh-huh. probably a Category 3. Now they're saying could even get to a Category 4. Uh, it's crap. veered west of me. Um, and so it's hitting pretty much landfall right on the Texas-Louisiana border. So Houston is going to get is going to get whacked, um, kind of that Beaumont Orange area, and then south uh, southwest Louisiana. They've just within the last ten minutes, I was reading, ordering some mandatory evacuations for uh, Lake Charles area. So good yeah, times. This is one of the not one of the not so cool. Or this is one of the not so cool things about living in the South. I exactly. love the weather, but but where you and I live, both at risk for hurricanes. Unlike where our guest lives today, so I'm going to pivot to our That's guest to begin right. the weather report. <laughs> Go ahead. It is the daily the daily weather report on Drive Through HR. But yes, we we have a guest joining us from um, another another part of the country, not in the south today. Um, and we are really looking forward to this conversation. So uh, welcome to Christina Wang. Hello, Christina. Hi, Robin. How are you Glad today? To be here. I yes, am we well. Are. And uh, in terms of where I'm from, I'm uh, in northern New Jersey, currently uh, spending my, my quarantine time. <laughs> it, it's, your, uh, it's the longest... Um, sort of vacation home, if you will, um, you know, than you ever t- intended when you when you went there to go hunker down. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, so we are um we are really looking forward to a a, a good conversation today. Cause I think we're gonna we're gonna learn some things and I think we're gonna we're gonna have some uh some some salient and interesting points that are being made. But before we kick that off, um why don't you, Christina, sort of introduce yourself? Let our listeners know um, who you are, kind of what you do, what you like to do. A little bit, a little bit about you. Yeah, so I think like many who find themselves in the field of human resources, HR wasn't exactly a profession that I set out to do. Um, but now that I'm in 
niche. I wouldn't trade it for the world. Um, you know, it's a bit of a cliche, but I've always had this strong passion uh, for helping people. So me ending up in HR uh, makes sense if you if you think about it. Um, you know, mm-hmm. people spend 40 plus hours a week at work, right? And being in HR means that we have the ability to influence and, and impact how that time is being spent. Um, so in terms of my career, I started off as an HR generalist uh, covering recruiting as well as um, those more transactional operational aspects of HR. Um, definitely very you know important and uh, vital parts of, of HR. Um, and it's definitely you know been a great foundation uh, that's helped me better partner with fellow HR team members. But um, mm-hmm. I wanted to go beyond the basics, right? Um, you know, I believe there's a tremendous opportunity to really revolutionize the way that we work and transform the relationship between businesses and people, whether that be employees, customers, you know, what have you. Um, And to get to a position where I can help influence that uh, shifting relationship, um, it's required, you know, developing skills around business acumen and strategic thinking, uh, you know, building out uh, business cases for different people initiatives, things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, currently in my, uh, uh, I am in an HR business partner role in the tech industry, um, where I get to leverage my background in business and psychology to implement different people strategies focused on um, achieving uh, various business results, right? And in less corporate speak, I essentially uh, (laughs) use my understanding of how people and businesses operate, um, their varied motivations, right, to make sure that everyone's on the same page and we're all working um, toward, you know, working in the same direction toward a Mm -hmm. common goal. Mm -hmm. Now, how, um, how, um, how large of an organization are you with? Are you? Uh, do you have uh, hundreds, thousands of employees? What? We have about a thousand employees. Um, it is a global okay. organization, so we have folks in uh, North America, both the U.S. and Canada, um, in EMEA, as well as APAC too. Okay. And do you find um, do you find that there are differences? Uh, uh, do you work i guess do you work with the employee population across all those regions and and, and how do you adjust that in your role yeah so fortunately uh we do have regional um hr business partners that i you okay. know work closely with especially i think with apac right that that time difference is uh is certainly you know would be difficult to navigate i think um you know if i yeah. had to be involved in the day to day right um so luckily you know i i do have um you know regional partners that i can um leverage to uh you know um any there's so many different laws, especially I think in the mm-hmm. region, right? All the different countries and, um, you know, there's a lot to, to understand. So definitely appreciate having um, those other partners to, uh, to help support, um, you know, when, when the need arises. Yeah. Yeah. It takes a village sometimes. It really yeah. does. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <sighs> Now, you know, one of the things that um, when you and I have had, had previous conversations, um, one of the things that you've mentioned, which, um, you know, I think is really interesting and I think is, will be interesting to our listeners to hear about is, you know, you've, you've discussed being, um, a, you know, an Asian-American woman navigating corporate America and, and, and sort of the, the unique 
experience that that has presented for you over the years what from 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 your life what, you know what are what are some of those things that have come into play um because of again your your uniqueness um you know how how have you experienced corporate america yeah, so, um, you know, I grew up in a suburban town in northern New Jersey, you know, where I'm currently quarantining. Uh, and, you know, I was uh, one of a handful of kids who didn't quite look like the others. Um, and that mm-hmm. otherness is something I've always, you know, been aware of um, since, uh, you know, I was I was a kid. Um, in terms of navigating corporate America, I don't think I've ever... You know, I've, I've fortunately never really felt othered at work or anything. Um, you know, mm-hmm. I've been fortunate enough to work in rather inclusive environments. Um, but, you know, there would be often times when I'd find myself struggling with um, knowing sort of the right approach to different situations or dealing with um, different personalities. And I'll admit it still happens today. Um, but it's interesting because, you know, when I was growing up, I'd often get scolded for being outspoken, um, you know, uh, <laughs> respecting one's elders are, are it's very big in Chinese culture. Um, and questioning authority is something that's, you know, totally out of the question, right? So hmm. when I was uh, first entering the workplace, um, there were definitely you know, rem- remnants of that conditioning um, where I had a very keep your head down and do your work mentality um, that mm. made me believe, you know, as long as I worked hard, did a good um, and did good work, it would be recognized um, and rewarded. And, you know, I think mm. you and I both know that uh, that's not always the case, right? And that self-advocacy mm-hmm. and speaking up are, are kind of necessary survival tools um, for climbing the corporate ladder. Um, and I was luckily lucky enough to um, have very supportive managers and mentors who, uh, you know, have encouraged me to share concerns or ideas and, um, you know, have reaffirmed that I have strong instincts that I should um, trust more often. And I think that's, um, you know, really been pivotal to, um, you know, learning to navigate uh, corporate America. Yeah. Um. You know, it's funny. Um, so I, I have a totally off the, off the wall question first. You described Shutterstock as a tech company, and I had, I've had a conversation a year or so ago with somebody that worked at Tesla out in California, and she mentioned that Tesla considered themselves to be a uh, to be a tech company, but they were actually an automotive company, um, and it, it was, it's going to be hard for them to find the right mix in their culture until they figured that out. Um, so Shutterstock does, you know, pictures and all that. Can you define why you guys consider yourself a tech company? Yeah, so, you know, we provide a platform for to connect contributors and content seekers, right? So, um, mm-hmm. you know, we while we do have a custom team that, uh, you know, will, uh, sh- you know, uh, shoot different um, photographs uh, per client needs and, and whatnot, the majority of our content does come from, um, you know, contributors uh, across mm-hmm. the globe, um, and it's you know it's um, that technology platform that is really pivotal to you know what we do, and um, you know our, our vision and, and product roadmap is, is centered around that that platform and creating mm-hmm. something um, where you know enabling contributors around the world mm-hmm. to um, monetize the content that they're creating, right, and also um, allowing storytellers and content um, uh, makers or um, presenters to to have access to um, that content as well. Mm-hmm. 
I, I, I think the reason that question popped into my head is there's been some stories in the news about Kodak and trying to make a pivot to become a, like a drug manufacturer or something using PPP funds. Mm. And it just, it just struck me as like, you guys are like, you know, you're not Kodak, but they, they don't do what they used to. Anyway, like I said, it's an off the wall question. <laughs> um, so so you're, it sounds like you're pretty outspoken. Was that always easy for you or is it something that you had to learn how to do? Yeah, so I think it's definitely, you know, a, a skill that um, has uh, needed some um, training and, and building confidence around. Um, you know, I uh, earlier in my career when I was looking for a new opportunity, I had this interview that I thought went really well, um, but I later mm-hmm. received feedback from the recruiter that the hiring manager decided to go, uh, you know, pursue other candidates um, because they seemed a little to pro-employee, which at the time really hurt to hear, right? Um, But that sadness coupled with anger kind of eventually subsided (laughs) to relief, and I realized that it wouldn't have been a good fit anyway, right? Um, But that bit of feedback has always stuck with me. Um, You know, companies always spout on about how its people are its greatest assets, right? So um, it's, Mm -hmm. it's been perplexing to me, you know, why they wouldn't want someone who goes above and beyond to protect and grow those assets, right? Like, you wouldn't hire a CFO who wasn't pro-revenue, right? So, um, you know, as I grew in my career, I learned to um, spin that constructive feedback into sort of my personal value proposition as an HR practitioner. Um, You know, there's tons of studies out there that show how engagement drives greater performance and business outcomes. And, you know, with that in mind, um, I've certainly become more confident in advocating for, you know, this people first approach to HR. I think it's called HR for a reason, right? And the human must um, come first. And at a basic level, uh, it's important to understand that generally everyone is working toward positive outcomes, right? I imagine mm-hmm. it, very few people will take on roles um, that they think they'll, they'll fail in, right? So when issues right. arise, um, you know, in terms of performance or what have you, it's um, just as important to understand what's not working from the employee's perspective as it is from, mm-hmm. you know, the managers or the businesses. Right. It helps us identify and solve what the real issue is. Right. In all likelihood, it, it's possible that the um, employee's skill set is a mis- mismatch for the role. But if there are deeper issues, um, you know, those will hinder even the best and brightest in, in you know, whatever um, area that role might be. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, without having a um, an HR department that is centered around people, you can't really identify those issues because there isn't that trust or psychological safety there, right? Um, right. So being um, an employee advocate in many regards is, um, you know, the same thing as being a, a business advocate, right? You, in building trust, mm-hmm. you gain loyalty, uh, better collaboration and, and understanding, and that those are sort of um, integral to any uh, business's success. Yep. Yeah. I think, well, and I one of the... Um... Is... Oh, go ahead. Robin, go ahead. No, go ahead, Mike. I was going to say, I think HR, you know, probably faces that sort of split personality more than to your point about the CFO operations, people run operations. We're sort of perceived as the people who should be, be advocates for the employees, but we can't always do that. Right. Cause you, you got to, it, it's a difficult split. Um, I was just going to ask one more question, Robin, and then I'll let you go to the next one here. Um, 
what I was thinking about, um, Christine, is the the culture that you're if you're open and outspoken. I mean, you could be that way and you could be perceived as an idiot. You know, if, if you if you don't bring up the the, the right things or just a loudmouth, right? But on the other side, if you provide guidance, even if it's not the what exactly what a company wants to hear, in a, in certain kinds of culture that will get you out of there pretty fast. It sounds like you're in one that is open and. Um, kind of lets you do that. It, I just, I guess, the question is, what kind of culture do you see that that allows that? Yeah. So I'll say, you know, my current work environment definitely encourages um, collaboration, and um, you know, my approach to being an HR business partner is that I I am a strategic partner to the business, right? And I um, not only want to help, uh, you know, with with the tactical aspects of HR, but also with um, with those more strategic um, pieces, right? So when um, mm-hmm. business leaders are, are presenting a problem, I am right there with them um, trying to creatively problem solve and, and make sure that the solutions that I am recommending are um, addressing the real issues. And I'm trying to look at, you know, different problems we're facing from different lenses. Um, pardon the pun, I guess. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and, and understanding, um, you know, what potential things could be, you know, leading to this problem, right? And um, if we don't address all of those things, um, you know, it's, we could be setting, you know, we might not be putting ourselves um, for uh, setting us up for for success. So I think it's really important to have that um, collaboration with leaders and um, have an open culture where, you know, feedback is um, viewed as as a gift, right, for overall uh, success. Mm-hmm. Yep. Makes sense. Yep. Yep. So let me do a quick reset on the show here. We are uh, just a little over halfway done. Uh, you're listening to Drive Through HR with uh, your hosts, uh, Michael and Robin, and we are talking with our guest, Christina Wang, today. And uh, on on the show's uh, page for this episode, there actually is a link to a blog post that Christina recently wrote on on Medium that I encourage everyone to go read because it um, it sort of formed a nexus for our conversation today a little bit, um, uh, where she called it a a for-the-people, by-the-people future of HR. So um, Mm. everyone go read that link um, because it's a a really good post. Um, But moving on, I guess, you know, we've kind of of been talking about um, HR HR professionals um, speaking out, for want of a better word, and 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 having a voice. Um, one of the things that we've seen, and you know, of course, 2020 is the year when everything is at you know 10,000 times its heightened <laughs> awareness, I guess. But um, certainly, the year 2020, I, I, I think, has brought us um, to this point where there are HR professionals more and more speaking out um, publicly to, to to a larger degree around. Um, social justice issues and and feeling that I, I guess I see this very anecdotal I guess but I see more and more people saying you know what I've felt the need to be silent perhaps because of the role I'm in or the profession I'm in or whatever but I see more people raising their hand and and speaking around matters of um, of importance um, there's still some confusion people equate sometimes I think um, social justice or civil rights issues with being a political issue, whereas I see it as Mm -hmm. a human issue. But um, nevertheless, I see those conversations happening. Um, What, 
how do how do HR practitioners? What, what what's your advice, I guess, Christina, for HR practitioners who who are ready to speak out about some of those things? How do they get the courage, I guess, to um, to feel okay to to speak up? Yeah. So you know, I think Sorry. it will never be become easy to speak out, right? Um, but what's helped me is defining what matters most to me and what my non-negotiables are, right? And what I'm willing to risk to achieve what matters. Um, you know, following the brutal murder of George Floyd, there was a, um, you know, a LinkedIn Live where, um, you know, a woman, uh, a professor was um, speaking about what what companies and, and leaders can do to, um, you know, to create a more just world. Um, and one of the comments that I had made was around, you know, I can find another job, right? If, if a, co- a company is not supportive of um, truly raising the bar when it comes to, you know, justice and, and equity, then, you know, and, and they're going to, uh, you know, view any, things I post or, or, you know, me being outspoken in a negative light, then, you know, mm-hmm. that's fine. Yeah. I can always find another job. Right. And, and yeah. I have a certain level of privilege that makes it, you know, much easier for, for me to um, find an, a job than, you know, someone who is in a more marginalized population, right. They may not have that privilege to uh, feel comfortable or, or be in a position where they can speak up. And so I almost feel like it's, you know, it's, like an obligation for me to um, use my privilege for um, a greater cause, right? Um, and mm-hmm. uh, it, for me, it's deeply important that the work that I do is impactful and meaningful and uh, contributes to something greater in the world around us. And, you know, for me, that means speaking up and taking a stand for um, equity and justice. And I encourage, you know, all uh, HR practitioners to think about what uh, matters to them, right? And what kind of world they want to work towards um, for, you know, their children or, you know, their friends, like children, uh, their friends' children, right? Mm-hmm. And and just society at large. Um, I think it, being in HR, there's so much potential to um, enact change, right? When you think about a lot of issues like poverty, um, people who are in HR roles are you know, are contributing to hiring decisions, right? So there's, um, and, and, you know, making promotion recommendations and things like that. And um, it's important to be aware of our biases and do what we can to, um, you know, dismantle um, the, our systems, Mm -hmm. right? Our our current norms Mm -hmm. um, that are rooted in white supremacy, patriarchy, right? And, and um, work towards something that is, you know, more balanced and, and sort of appreciates everyone's um, differences and, uh, you know, provides an environment where people can bring their full selves to work and feel not only like um, they're included, but like, uh, you know, the value that they're bringing is that unique background and perspective. Yep. <clears throat> Sorry. Yep. Um, you know, it's, it it just seems like all the time, um, you know, been in HR thirty plus years, so, and you know, and you struggle. The struggles are different, right? The 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 dial has moved, but this can this has been talked about for thirty years, probably way longer than I've been in HR, and it it's still 
um, still something that we have to work on every day. Um, how do you, um, Tristan, how do you find the mindset to, to become an influencer and kind of advocate for this stuff, but not step over whatever, whatever invisible line there might be out there? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, as someone who, um, you know, coming from, from my background, it is sometimes difficult for me to know where I am um, maybe crossing a boundary, right? Um, you know, I think uh, there are certain aspects where it's, you know, I kind of have to just feel things out, and, and that's something that I think everyone needs to kind of do and understand, mm-hmm. um, you know, what the appetite for change is, right, and what the business objectives are, and, um, you know, being able to um, identify how, you know, these, um, how uh, centering different um practices around justice and equity um, can add real business value. Uh, You know, we're becoming a more diverse global population, right? And so it's important that we have, you know, equal representation in our different departments, right? Otherwise, how are you going to market to those, you know, that growing diverse population, right? Your consumers mm-hmm. are, are going to have different needs and you need people who um, are able to think differently um, in order to address and, and solve for those different um, needs. Yep. 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 What, um, what, what Christina would you say are, are your top, top tips for HR professionals, our, our fellow practitioners out there um what's a top tip so that hr professionals uh, can you know find their own voice um go through that values exercise and and kind of strengthen their resolve to to speak up or or advocate for things that they firmly believe in how how should they go about doing that yeah, I think, you know, to um, the point I raised earlier, I think it's important to understand, you know, what matters to you, right? And, mm-hmm. um, you know, what your, um, again, what your non-negotiables are and what you're willing to, to risk to um, work towards what, what matters, right? Um, I think another important um, thing is definitely surrounding yourself with positive influences and have a strong support network, um, you know, having felt like a bit of a black sheep among traditional HR practitioners. I can't emphasize hmm. enough how reaffirming yeah. it's been to connect with people focused HR leaders, right? And see one that, you know, they can, you, you can progress into um, very high uh, roles within HR, um, even having that people focused approach, right? Um, yep. And yep. it's, it's nice to um, just, see that there are other practitioners out there um, who are very centered around um, people and, and um, see the value in, in doing so. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think the, you know, the, the name that, that we came up with for your, for your episode today, um, you know, kind of HR's rebellion um, and reveling in HR's rebe- rebellion, um, I think kind of speaks to that and and it's it's the combination of knowing yourself your mm-hmm. you know your own values what's important to you you know whether you work in HR or not this applies to any profession right but what's important how i'm going to um you know 
find the, the organization that's right for me, find the role that's right for me, but then also understanding that I can be in an organization and still advocate for that change. And it's okay to be a little bit of a, a revolutionary and a and a rebel and a you know a radical and <laughs> things like that because those are not necessarily negative things those can be I think positive things and and taking it back to HR that you know I'm pontificating now but I mean I think that's a positive for our our profession is when we when we do that definitely so, yep yep well we are uh, we are getting close to wrap-up time. We've got just a little over a minute yet. So thank you, thank you, thank you, Christina Wang, for being our guest on Drive Through HR. Thank you. And um, why don't you uh, take a moment, let our audience know where they can connect with you online, LinkedIn, et cetera, Twitter. Yes, yeah, so my Twitter handle is Christina underscore Wang. Three, um, and you can also find me on LinkedIn. So feel free to connect. Um, it's been a pleasure to be here. So thank you so much, uh, Robin and Mike, for for having me. Really um, appreciate the conversation. Absolutely wonderful, wonderful chat, y'all. And um, peace out, everybody, on this Tuesday. Uh, stay safe from uh, Hurricane Laura, everybody, and um, the <laughs> wildfires and everything else. So. Have a good day. 2020. Thanks. 2020. Take care. Bye. Bye.